0: Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yardena Azban. Our daf of the day, Masachat Yivamot, Daf Kuf Tet Vav, page one hundred and fifteen. So nicely, this daf bodies the different cases that you could imagine coming out of the Mishnah and the beginning of the cases of the previous daf, namely, you know, why would this woman who comes? Again, she's traveled to me, did not say I'm, she's gone overseas with her husband. She comes back, she says, my husband died. And then the circumstances that are both between the couple and also the backdrop in the world make a difference as to whether she's going to be believed or to what extent, you know, there needs to be, I don't know what, external verification, that kind of thing. So this DAF goes through different cases of exploring, you know, under what circumstances might she be, let's say, for example, lying or might she be mistaken and so on. So that's the basic um, context. And then we've got a, a long series of, of tashmas coming here, like, you know, different proofs from different Breitot to, to support this question, you know, again, um, what, backing up the different ideas of the different members of Chazal about this particular kind of scenario as a, as a like as a template. Um, so one of these stories, and I'm on, I'm at Aleph, not very far down. So we're in Aram, right? That tells us, you know, certainly gives us the time period of the Amuram and so on. We have this story. There's a man who got married. And then at the end of the wedding, a fire broke out and it broke out in that room where the bride and groom were supposed to be. They're there. They're, they're there. Maybe even during the ceremony, something. It's not, it's not exactly clear. It doesn't spell it out. But that seems to be, like, in the wedding, in, you know, in the essence of it. So what happens is the woman screams, right? She says, look at my husband, look at my husband. What's So, meaning they're not secluded at this time at all. They're She's in the midst of everybody else, and she's calling their attention to this man, what is happening to him. Atu chazegavra charucha disti ufista dida dishadya. So what happens? This is a terrible, terrible story. I'm with that, right? they, they go, they come to see what's going on. And that's why I say, well, maybe they were in seclusion and now she comes out to get everybody to come to see where they were. So again, it's not entirely clear to me where the fire is impacting the people directly, except for now she's bringing them to witness and say, you know, here's my husband. And what they're seeing is, we should never know from such things, somebody who's burned, a man who's burned and un therefore unrecognizable, and it says literally it says the palm of his hand. So the the phenomenon here is, you know, a terrible situation where she is able to say, Look, my husband right here, and now now what's supposed to happen here? Right? So Savarab so, Khiya Bar Avin Lemay Mar. Sarah Bar Avin says, Hainu asinu alenu bait, asinu alenu mara. So he says, this is the same kind of case where they say they set our house on fire and the house became full of smoke or they set our cave on fire to, to get us to, to come out from the smoke. Amar Rava, dami. Rava says, is it really similar to those cases? Because in those cases, Hatam, lo amru chazu gavrai, chazu gavrai. In those cases, she didn't say, me again, this is bringing from a different, a different source. Right? She didn't say, look at my husband, look at my husband and here we've got a very very vivid description of a man whose bird has fallen down with his hand, right, whatever meaning there are facts in this case that everybody can see, that's what's happening there, there's no she's not even giving testimony really right, she's just bringing other people's attention to the facts literally on the ground, what has just happened as opposed to other cases where you know if she were to come forward and say, my our house was on fire and there was smoke, and my husband must have died from the smoke inhalation, and that kind of thing, it's a it's it's not exactly a parallel case because that's based on testimony, meaning on her testimony. And here she's like she's illustrating her own story with you know the the phenomenon around her, the physical phenomenon desadia, <laughs> the so why doesn't Reb Chaya Bar Avin want to accept her point, you know, her the wedding testimony? Because he seems, to, according to the Gemara, the suggestion is that he thinks that it's not conclusive. It could be somebody else there. He's not recognizable. Maybe it's somebody else. Um, you know, and and maybe that guy, you know, loses his hand. Whatever. And then he's got some, you know, deformity from this fire. So then he runs away. And because he runs away, he's really still alive. He's not dead. So, so Rabbi Bar Avin, I would say, has come up with an, I don't mean this in the contemporary way exactly, he's gonna come up with an alternate scenario for the same set of facts, right? Um, t- a different interpretation of what's happened where the where the assumption that this woman is telling the truth is not the issue. Really, she might think she's telling the truth, right? She's not lying, but the man is really gone. Um, maybe he's really still alive. And that's why Reb Khibar Avin doesn't want to rely on her testimony, even though it seems so black and white, right? Like it's in front of everybody, everybody's face, um, And he wants to be cautious, because what if somebody else was burned, and the husband, you know, made was was embarrassed from his burns, and he ran away, he's gone, the other guy who is dead is not the real husband, but the real husband is, you know, because he's not dead, The this woman is not a widow, and she's somebody else, according to Rabbi Bar Avin's caution, right? The likelihood, presumably, is really her story, her version of event of the event. Um, okay, Your Dana over to you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think of all the examples, this one to me was, you know, the one you read is the, sort of the most interesting in the sense of like she's in the room with somebody where the fire start, and yet, and yet, maybe there's a possibility for some doubt there. So I think that's really interesting. Um, but I'm gonna read something later on, and I'm with Ben, which shows. This is not just a question about marriage. It's really just a question about testimony in general. And so the Gemara moves on to a totally different type of topic. So a man leaves sesame plants with his friends. Right? And then he goes back to his friend. He says, give me the sesame plants. And he said, you already took them for me. I gave them back to you already but they were, you know, and the owner basically goes back and says, no, this is how much I gave you, right? And you put it in this barrel. And he's basically saying to the person who watched the plants, go check the barrel and make sure that they're really not there, right? And so the person who supposedly watches plants says, you took your sesame plants and those in the barrels are other ones. So this case comes, you know, before Chazal, and Rav Chisa says, said, <laughs> This is like having two chachamim, La amrinan, right? And they drown. Basically, we're talking about their, the cases that they basically drown, and we have to use different marks to identify them. In other words, how are we going to know whose plant is really in the barrel? We have to have a way of identifying them, right? la amrinan. We we do not say in this case. Those men went elsewhere in the world, and these men who came up are different people. In other words, what he's saying is we can rely on some type of distinguishing mark of this sesame plant that's given by the owner, and there's no reason to think the sesame plants are different ones. So if the owner can provide a distinguishing, uh, you know, marker, we're going to believe him. Amrly Ravas so or Bravis says to Rahisa, me dummy, are they really is this really comparable? Basically, can we compare plants to people? Hatam, re name Here, right? Uh, sorry, you know, here in the case of the sesame plants, right? Ha, sorry, there, you know, sorry, uh, there, there they uh, you know, cases of identifying victims. Ha right? And there we're talking about marks of sesame, my semeney isle, right? How would you be able to identify it? What kind of marks could you have for a plant? And for when he says they were such and such an amount, one could say it happened by chance that, you know, this second time it was the same amount. It's no proof that those are the sesame plants. Maybe he says there were four plants and lo and behold, there happens just to be four plants. It's not really a distinguishing mark. Amar right? Amar mark hashisha. So, uh, again, on this same topic, right, Mark Hashisha, uh, Rav Chisa says, uh, he says to Ravashi, Right, are we concerned that maybe the person who guarded the plants moved them from their place, right? And so, therefore, they weren't in that original barrel. They got moved to a different place. But didn't we learn in a Mishnah? This is a Mishnah from Master Shani. And, again, this is one of those examples, Anne and I, you have talked about that we don't have a Talmud bubbly on Seder Zraim. So this is one of the Masakhtot in Seder Zraim. and we have to find it's the bubbly sort of on it is integrated into other parts, you know, not straightforward on the Masakhtot itself, right? Matzah, klif, alav, kuf, korban. So let's say we find a vessel and the letter kuf is on it. Then we assume everything inside that vessel was designated to be a korban. In other words, that was sort of a universal de- designation for korban was you did a kuf. Mem mam, maser. If it has a mem, it's maser. D- uh, dalad dimua, If it's dalad, it's a dimua. It's a mixture of truma and non and chulan produce together. Tay, right? A ted is tevel, tub, truma. And a tub is truma. sakana, you tab truma. And they said that because in a time of danger, they would write a tub instead of truma. In other words, there could be, when they wanted to, in a time where maybe they couldn't keep me to vote because of rule, right, the government said you couldn't do it, they would use this code in order to designate things. And this sort of was like a universal sort of coding, you know, system, right? And so, right, Ravina Ravina Ravashi. so in responses, Ravashi said, wouldn't we, because with this Mishnah that talks about the vessels were marked a certain way, Maybe things were moved around, and we don't know if really whatever it says in the kof one is really a korban. Um, I safe? So it says, look at the end of the Mishnah. Amar Raviosi. Raviosi says, "Afilu Even if somebody finds a barrel and it says the full word truma on it, we assume it's chulin. Sha'aniomer truma upina, because I say maybe it was like last year it was truma, somebody removed it and this year it put kulin in. So in other words, they use this as a proof that this is what this full Mishnah teaches us so we can't just rely on marks when it comes to produce. And then we conclude this discussion with Ella, rather we should say to Kulin al-machashin and shama pinan everyone would agree we were concerned that maybe the contents of a container could have been moved. And so, what is it that we disagree about here when we talk about marking vessels? Right, the sage who says that they can rely only on the inscription on the vessel. Right, he holds. Right, right. So he holds that somebody who moved truma would have actually embraced the inscription because they understand how you know how important it is. And the other one, meaning Rav Yosef, a mar right? That says one could forget to actually like do it. And maybe he left the label, right? And he left the label, it was, it was left and it was preserved. So I, I, I think what's interesting about this passage is, is that it shows us that these issues of testimony are not just about marriage, but they're about anything where we need to identify something and how do we substantiate claims. And I think what we see here is sort of the judicial process that Hazel used to try to tease things out based on sort of what's common human nature, how do people speak, and based on that understanding, that's how they decide whether or not a testimony or the assumption that something would be moved without it being properly marked, you know, what are the assumptions that we need uh, in order to, uh, you know, decide what, a case, what the verdict of a case should actually be.
0: Yeah, I love this. Meaning I think this is that bringing together of the law and the real life experience and the common sense and putting it all together in a package that under, you know, the best of conditions anyway, I know it doesn't always happen, but it should really kind of always be the right, the right decision, the the just decision. And you know, the, the components are there for that. And as you said, it's not just in a case of a couple that goes to Medina Tayam, right? There are many, many times that a person's reliability or verifiability is, are at stake.
1: Yeah, it, it's, you know, and I, again, like you said, this is real life and it's just, it's very interesting to see all of these cases. I mean, to me, you know, it, it, it's going through a court docket, right? It's looking at what their decisions were and and how did they get to it and and to see where they disagreed with each other and what their line of reasoning was. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend E. Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this top on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.